This is the Buck and Stock News Podcast, powered by Two Bulls, bringing you the stories and experiences from within the bucking stock world. And here's your host, Kyle Lippincott. We're back. Welcome to the next episode, Buck and Stock News Podcast. This episode being presented by thebullmen.com. Uh, that's that's basically a clothing company designed and geared around the buck and bull industry. Uh, they've got some pretty cool shirts with some neat sayings on them, uh, things within the buck and bull industry, caps, uh, also some raffle drawings. Check out thebullmen.com and get yourself some merchandise. Um, we're going to kick this one off with the weekly schedule presented by Two Bulls Feed, fortified with SQM Minerals. Uh, I just want to touch on that for just a second. I know everybody probably sees it on Facebook every week, the weekly schedule, uh, and hears me say the, the SQM Minerals. The the SQM Minerals, it's a pretty neat thing. It's it's in some quite a few different, uh, the, the all the Two Bulls products um, and, and some other products that you can find on the market uh, as far as lick tubs go and things of such. Uh, that have an SQM protected mineral in it. And basically the SQM is is a company and they make a coating to go around these certain minerals that that won't pass through the rumen to be utilized uh, by the bovine species. Um, It's it's a great, great deal. Um, Check out Two Bulls Feed. Also, you can search SQM uh, minerals and you can read all about their stuff and, and what their benefit is to the the two bulls performance minerals uh and, and supplements but we're gonna start this one off um the lj jenkins having a yearling team fraternity uh and a bull team this weekend uh probably a little too late to to get entered in that one the tbba is gonna have an event saturday um in springtown texas uh may the 16th evolution bull competitions is going to kick off again with a a yearlings a youth women's open fraternity an 85 slide and a derby uh, and that's all open event uh no no d system anymore may 23rd the bow bear memorial abbi fraternity granbury texas uh the 23rd and the 24th bj cattle bull team and bull riding as well as a fraternity and a derby um, and then we're going to round out May with a major weekend, the 29th, 30th, and 31st, the ABBIs and two, ABBI and Two Bulls event in Duncan, Oklahoma. All classes included there. It's going to be a, a great big event. Um, and, and with this coronavirus kind of opening back up a little bit or, or the states opening up a little bit more uh, here the 1st of May, um, it looks like we're going to have events popping up big time. Uh, I know, I know I'm ready to get going and then as well as everybody else. So we hope to see you guys, uh, at an event coming soon. Uh, also we, we've restocked our, our BSN merchandise line. Uh, our hats are almost ready, uh, but we've got t-shirts and stickers and, and some other cool things that, that are in the works, uh, available for purchase. Uh, if you guys are interested, shoot us a message on Facebook or, or you can text or call me directly and, and we can get you hooked up. Uh, get with Laramie uh, Wilson if, if you need anything. Also, if, you, if you'd if you rather go that route, um, we, we'll get you fixed up with some BSN gear. Um, and like I said, hopefully we see you guys at an event coming up. Um, this episode was, was definitely fun to do. Uh, we, we've all kind of Laramie and, and our guest Riley Sanford been friends for a while. And, and since I've been going quite a bit and, and being, becoming more involved in the buck and bull business, I've got to know Riley pretty well. And, and, uh, he's definitely a, a 
fun dude to hang out with and talk to is is Riley being the son of Monty uh, has grown up around the buck and bull industry. He's seen a lot of really cool things and also has got to haul some really good bulls himself, work for some some outstanding people within the industry, uh, as well as some some highly decorated stock contractors and, and bull breeders in, in the game. But anyways, this is our conversation with Riley Sanford. Well, Laramie, uh, it's, been, it's been a couple weeks um, since we've had a podcast episode, but uh, I guess a lot of things have been slow with events and what have you. Uh, things don't slow down, I guess, for feeding cattle and working bulls through. I know yourself and myself as well have been busy uh, trying to get things ready for when events do kick off. And speaking of that, there's an event this weekend in Springtown, a, a TBBA event. Uh, the ABBI's Derby and Classic is going to be there, I think, the following weekend. And it seems like the the month of May, things are going to kind of open back up and kick back off, uh, hopefully, I'd say. I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure ready to get going again. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm more than ready. Uh, like, like I said, t- Springtown's this weekend, the TBBA. Uh, LJ's having the Yearling team event, a bull team event. And then the, the ABBI has, has a standalone or a co-sanctioned event every week in May. Uh, I think they may have one weekend. Well, no, they don't even have the first weekend off in June and then the Heritage. So the next six weeks are pretty slam-packed for sure. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be going to be craving to, to go, and, and hopefully the numbers are good at those events. And it seems like the last year or so, two years, events of entries as a whole have kind of uh, slimmed down just a little bit. But maybe with everybody being stuck at home, uh, they'll be itching to go somewhere. Yeah, especially right now, we usually see two-year-old numbers start dropping. Uh, I think they may last a little longer this year. Hopefully, they won't drop off as quick and uh, kind of get some better numbers for for everything, not just the two-year-old events, but the three and four-year-olds as well. For for sure, exactly. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to keep our our guests waiting too long uh, here, but I do want to touch base. Uh, with with the people listening about our our home at the ranch uh youtube series um i know that we've we put out a couple episodes and, and you and katie uh went and filmed an episode the last uh last week and i don't know about you but i, I think it's interesting to be able to and it's kind of what we were talking about trying to put that together that everybody sees everybody in the same form every single weekend bringing their best calves that they have available but nobody gets to see how it's what their place is like, you know, what what it consists of, how they operate. And, and I think we've got a lot of really good response so far. And uh, the the episode that you and Katie filmed, I'm, I'm really excited about putting that one out too. Yeah, exactly, Kyle. Like I said, we all get to see everybody's best calf, but you never get to see what they go through, what they do to get there, uh, how many cows they may have, how, how few of cows. Uh, that's, that's a game changer to me. It's not hard to show up with a good one, but the hard part is what you do at home and and how many you, you get to go through. If you get to go through 100, your, your odds are a lot better than if you get to go through 15 or 20. So it's kind of exciting to me just to see other people's programs and how many they start with to come up with what they got. For sure. Well, this, this week on the episode, uh, we've got Riley Stanford, um, obviously Monty Stanford's uh, son, and and Riley's road bulls um, and and been heavily involved in the buck and bull world for for a long time. Uh, Riley, uh, to kick this one off, 
uh, me and Laramie were talking beforehand. Um, in, in 2016, you had the Classic World Champion and what was second or third place Classic Bull as well? Um, yeah, that year I had probably the best set of bulls I had ever got to haul. I got fortunate right off the bat, but at the finals I won first and I split second with another bull I was hauling. And another bull won seventh, I think. Seventh or ninth. And what, what Wicked Stick won it. Uh, Handsome Jeff was the bull that split second and third. What was the other bull that you had that year? Uh, flight Plan. Flight Plan, I got you. And that was Gary Longs as well? Yeah, Gary owns Handsome Jeff, Flight Plan, and then Gear Jammer was that really good bull that won Fort Worth at the first of the year, and he was better than all of them, and he got crippled. Gotcha, gotcha. So to kind of back it up just a little bit for, for maybe some people that, that don't know you or, or just see you at, at events hanging dummies or flanking bulls, uh, you, you rode bulls, you junior rodeoed, your dad's had bulls for, for a long, long time. I mean, you've grown up in, in the industry. Kind of kind of just talk a little bit about your upbringing and, and your involvement within whether it's riding bulls or, or roping or just raising bulls or whatever. <laughs> Definitely wasn't any roping. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. My dad had bulls when I was growing up, and from the time I was a little bitty, you know, he went through all his cellborn bulls and all that, and then he started raising bulls. I think the first set of bulls he raised, I was seven or eight when they were born, and so by the time I was 10 or 11, it was before the before they had dummies, and we were, we were just bucking with cowboys when they were, you know, two-year-olds. And then he sell a bunch of them bulls, Thomas Taylor, but I don't know. We just went through a lot of bulls when I, when we were young, when I was growing up, and then. As did did your brother? Did he get on with you and stuff, or, or is it you no. guys the only one? No, Rex. He wasn't for the bull riding deal. I started riding <laughs> steers. Dad didn't want to let me ride, and then I got on steers, and he finally kind of helped me along. And, Oh, I went to a few rodeos. I didn't really get going until I was probably 16 where I could drive myself and I'd just go wherever I wanted. And uh, me and my buddy Dawson Woodson got to where we drove all over. That's really when I started getting on a lot more. I got on some at the house, you know. I'd just get on some a few pukes or whatever we had around there. But until I was probably 16, I didn't really start getting on bulls consistently till I was 16 probably. And what, when you were growing up, Riley, uh, of all those bulls your dad had, uh, I know C2 was probably the the one I remember the most that he ended up selling Thomas. But since you kind of you were old enough to remember him when he started, what what do you think was the best one that he had raised or, or had? Um, the best bull dad raised, probably the best bulls dad raised nobody ever saw because Thomas ruined them. <laughs> But um, Nightlife was the best one, and yeah. and that was right when the dummies were starting out. And I remember we didn't buck that bull till he was three, and then entered him in the four-year-old. Uh, it was called the Futurity then, but it was a four-year-old Futurity. And Western Wishes was entered, and a bull called Mardi Gras was entered that Sean Fry owned that Thomas Taylor ended up with, but. Matt Austin got on got on Nightlife there at Fort Worth, and that was a security, and that was like his fifth or sixth time he'd ever been bucked. He was a four-year-old. 
But that was the that was the bull that I remember the most, like at that age. But I remember back when I was six or seven, when Kent Cox and Kyle Ham and everybody used to come to my dad to get on bulls. My dad had a bull called uh, Red Pepper that was a buck and son of a gun. He ended up selling him to Neil Gay, and he went to the NFR. What'd you say that bull's name was? My dad called him Red Pepper, but um, Neil Gay and them called him Dodge Sport. I got you. But that was the first bull I remember being. And here. he just would have been a Selborne bull. Yeah, he was a he was a Bramazine. He was a limousine Bramer cross, and then there was two or three other bulls that I remember that were uh, that went to the finals that when I was little, but that was you know I was running around I was six seven years old but I remember those bulls when I was little go go over t- tell tell the I guess the listeners the story on on C2 and you and I were visiting at Little Rock that was that was pretty interesting how Thomas Taylor even ended up with that bull yeah so that would have been in probably I don't even remember what year that bull was born but it was the late 90s, early 2000, 2000, 2001, somewhere around in there. My dad would sell. Thomas would come by a set of bulls off my dad every year for 3500 around, And dad would go through them and buck them. And, you know, back then dad had a couple partners that he had cows with him. And we had a bunch of bulls that he would go through. And um, kind of the best 10, dad would just have the best 10 ready and they'd go to Thomas. Well, that year it ended up being, he had nine and he needed one more to put on the set to make it a set of 10. Cause he, he wanted to keep it a set of 10 or whatever. So he sent a C2 with him and we had never bucked him. And he was a long yearling, early two year old, maybe when he got him and he took him, dad told him to take this bull and buck him. And he's just a baby, but, if he doesn't work, I'll replace him with a different one, but I don't have another one for you right now. So he sent him or whatever. Well, then, like, I don't know if that was in the summer or the fall, but by the next spring, Bonner Bolton's dad, Toya, was going through and bucking those bulls of Thomas's, and he called my dad, and he was like, hey, this C2's a bucking son of a gun. And I don't remember how it all went, but. By June or July, whenever Cheyenne is, they had him at Cheyenne, and he was a two-year-old. And he was bucking through his ass. I mean, he was a bad son of a gun. And and Dad told him, he was like, you got to slow down. That bull's just a calf or whatever. But it was kind of one of them deals where Dad sent him with him just to send him, send him another bull, and he ended up being the best one on him. We never even bucked him. Thomas bucked him. The the rest of those calves that Thomas would have bought, would they have been the same age or they'd have been a year older? The ones in that set were all a year older. All year old. So he was he was already a year behind. Yeah. And, we'd sell them to him as two year olds because I mean, like I said, back in those the dummies were kind of getting going, and we had, and you know, way back when, still my dad, he still won't buck them real young or not very much, but. They had one trip, one or two trips with a dummy, and then we'd start schooling them and have cowboys on them by two because there wasn't any maturities or nothing. I mean, you're just raising bucking bulls, so there wasn't no telling what you had. It's crazy how how much the the game's changed and 
where you guys didn't buck them very much of the dummy, and now at events and stuff, you you put on thousands of dummies a year. Oh no! Sometimes how, I wish it'd go back. <laughs> <laughs> how how did you how did you land that gig? Putting did you volunteer or get volunteered? I got volunteered. Um, Kent and Dean been doing it forever since the very first one that Bob Tolman and Randy Bob Tolman put on one. Kent and Dean did it. Randy Smuts put on, I mean, and Marty Fouch, they put on those first fraternities in 2001, whatever. And Kent and Dean put on the dummies. They always did it. Well, long time they were doing it, there wasn't that many. You know, there was just a few here and there. Well, I guess when I was probably 15 or 16, it would have been 2003 or four. I'd have been 14 or 15. They were starting to have a lot more faturities, and uh, Dean couldn't make it to one, so Kent Cox would always buck all them calves for my dad, and he was hauling those calves for my dad because my dad was always pipelining. And Kent called and asked if we were going to be coming to that faturity because my mom, we'd go watch them or whatever. I'd always, I'd usually pick up dummies out of the arena just for something to do or whatever, and Ken asked if I'd come put on dummies because Dean wasn't going to be there. And I was like, yeah, sure. Well, it was in Waco, and it was in the summer. I remember that. It was hot, hot, hot. It was a covered arena. Well, I showed up in a T-shirt. I was ready to put on dummies because I wasn't going to sweat my butt off, you know, putting on what I thought was a crap load of dummies, which was probably 50 at the time. <laughs> and Kent got on to me because I had my T-shirt on, and he said, I got a long sleeve shirt in the truck, and I swear he had a welding shirt in his truck <laughs> that was starched, and I had to wear that thing and put those dummies on. I sweat my butt off. That was the first time I put them on. I was 14 or 15, and then uh, I did just, I was just kind of fill in whenever one of them couldn't make it. I think I did the Heritage when I was, 16 or 17. I don't remember when that so, was. So it's it stuck, and still, still to this day, you still uh, put on dummies. Yeah, I got to wear it like I enjoy it. I, I want to do it. Like it, I don't want to go to a fraternity and watch because I get bored and just keeps me busy. And I get to interact with everybody there, and I get to pay I pay attention to those calves a lot more, knowing you know their tendencies and everything. It, I think it really helps me be a better bull guy. For sure. What Laramie was telling us before, or tell me, I guess not not you, but uh, that you you got to go to Australia uh, at one point. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, another. I just kind of got. I don't know. I don't know how I got into that deal. <laughs> I went. To, I tried to ride bulls. You know, like I said I didn't start riding until I was probably sixteen all the time. Then I went to college and rode bulls, tried to ride bulls, got on bulls, whatever. And uh, there I went to school. Them Australians were going to school there and I got to be real good friends with them. And well, one of them went back to Australia and he called me one fall and he said, hey, in a couple months, do you want to come to Australia? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I got you a free trip but you got to get on a bull. I was like, man, I ain't been on a bull in a year and a half. Long time. He was like, free trip. 
I didn't really know if I wanted to do it or not, so I asked my dad. I was like, did you go to Australia for a free trip to Australia, but you had to get on two bulls because it was a two-night rodeo. You ride both nights. He's like, hell yeah, I'd go. So I went, and it was fun, but I don't know if I'd do it right now, but I did it. So was was it? I mean, was it worth the free trip? I've always thought it'd be real cool to go over there. Yeah, it was because I mean, I, I didn't get to go experience a whole lot. I was only there for like a week, and a lot okay. of it was we were in town at where that rodeo was. I mean, they flew us in there a day or two before the rodeo, and we hung out there, and then did the rodeo and and stayed and everything, and I actually got a. I, the second night I got my bull road and I won the rodeo and I made some money and got to come home. So, I mean, it was worth it, but, and then I got back and I thought I could ride bull still. So I started entering again and that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> since we're, I got to ask, since we're on the, on the bull riding topic, I, I wasn't there that night, but what, what went down at, at the casino when you got on your own bull? Man, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I guess the same thing everybody's been through at the casino or anywhere they've ever anywhere they've ever been trying to buck bulls. You trying to get somebody to get on their bull and nobody get on them. And I got a big mouth. And I told those kids, some kids are supposed to get on some bulls for me, and they were. They got on and they bucked the classic bulls first. Well, they had some other bulls to get on. Well, like before the derby even started, one of them came up to him. He was like, hey, man, I ain't going to be able to get on those other two bulls for you. I was like, gosh, dang it. Okay, well, walked along there, and it was getting scarce. Like everybody there was, seemed like, was running around begging us to get on. And I still had to buck Goodnight Rover Show. And I was like, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you double what I'm giving you to get on one of the three-year-olds if you'll get on this four-year-old for me. So he got on him, and then it come back to the. And then we started the derby, and we. I mean, every contractor back there it seemed like was begging, and you get on this one, well, I mouthed off. I said, I guess I'm gonna have to borrow one of you guys' spurs. And he started taking his spurs off. <laughs> so I heard, yeah, I was too late, and then that was the same night. Casey, the secretary, came with her. She's like, do you mind if a girl gets on your bull? She will not leave us alone, and we're not going to let her get on. I was like, hell yeah. If she wants to get on one, put her on one, because I'm only good for one. And <laughs> yeah, it, so, it worked out, but dad, you know, I, I was regretting it the minute I said it. You have to borrow it first, and then then you had to. Did you have to borrow the rest of his bull rope and stuff? Yeah, I had to borrow his size ten boots. I wear a twelve, <laughs> and then I had to run over there and teach Laramie how to flank the bull right quick. <laughs> and his little old mutton busting vest, I think he had <laughs> belly button. <laughs> I remember seeing that video and and. He, he throwed you off, and you looked at the camera, and you said, well, did he at least buck? Yeah, I couldn't have told you what he did. I knew he was going right, because I wasn't going with him. <laughs> Dalton got on that bull two days ago, rode the heck out of him, made me feel like crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
bull didn't have as good of a day, Riley. I've seen the video. You're good. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the last check he's won. He hadn't won one since, so I guess I broke his spirit. <laughs> I think you need to get on him again, but it sounds like. No. <laughs> no. I'm, no. I'm retired now, huh? Yeah, well. I'm, I'm, I think now. I finally quit. You can come out of retirement. Once you quit, you got to be done. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, I want you to, if we're if we're going to backtrack a little bit, I know after college, or maybe maybe you're still in college. I know you're letting this team go, and you were working for Scott. Uh, when you worked for Scott uh, Akamazo, were were the clones there then, or did they come after you? Yeah, they were there. Um, they were there. I went to work for Scott. I don't know what year it was, but I went. We went and worked the. I worked the event in Sulphur Springs. Remember when Jim used to have his event at the end of the summer? It was in August and it was hotter than heck. Yep. And Scott brought the clones and bucked them in the short go. I don't know how many trips he had on them then, but they were schizo. Like, yep. They were wild, wild, wild. Well, then I left. Sulphur Springs and drove to Stephenville and went to work for him. Or no, so, so that's when you started, huh? No, 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 no. I'd worked for him that spring when I went to school there. I went to school there. I always forget. I went to school there for a couple of weeks and I just kept on working for Scott. And they were wild then, but then whenever they really got, he got to bucking them more, it was their three year old year. That would have been that summer. And then when I left Sulphur Springs, I went back and went to work for him full time, rather than just going to school. And that was when we really started trying to buck them and and get them settled down. They were wild, wild, wild. Yeah. Well, I remember them. Uh, I was probably at Sulphur Springs. I don't really remember them then. I do remember when, and, and I want to say it was either that later that winter, maybe the next winter, whenever. Uh, Scott and Bob had the the buck off the. Yeah, so that was that was before that was the first time they had ever been to town. That oh, was okay. before I went to work for him. Gotcha. So they were just baby three year olds then. Yeah, they were coming threes. And those bulls of Bob's had never had a rider on them because I rode up there with Chandler. Chandler got on for Akamazo and Ryan Shanklin was with us and he got on for. Wilfong, and he was the first guy. They were the first one time they'd ever been bucked. Those bulls of Wilfongs. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so fast forward a little bit. You worked for Scott, uh, and then after while you were working for Scott, I guess Jeff hit you up about Jeff Robinson hit you up about a job, and did the clones pretty much go follow you? Yeah. I can't remember if he sold them to him before I went to work for Jeff or right after, but it was right there around the same time. I want to say they went to Jeff a little before me, but 2011 was when I worked for Jeff, went to work for Jeff, and I didn't go to work out there till the last week in June, and he was bucking them then, and then I took them rodeo and all the rest of that summer. Right. I, and the only reason I'm asking so much about the clones, I remember – when I first saw those clones, they were wild, way, way wild. Which, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess most people today they probably don't even understand how wild stuff used to be back then because we didn't haul it in bucket as much. 
Oh man! But but they were they were bad wild. Like man, me wild. and me and Scott took them to Weatherford to the college rodeo one time over there at Parker County Sheriff's Posse Arena, whatever. And, you know, those alleys are sheeted about halfway up, but then there's just two sucker rods and then a pipe for the load alleys. Uh-huh. And one of those bulls, one of them clones, was in the ninety and was throwing so much of a fit, he busted both them sucker rods and got out in the out gate with a bull rope and a flank on him and run back through the strip and shoot and back through them huge freaking pins back there. And then we run him back in there and bucked him still. And then he still bucked? Uh, I mean, bucked for then. He, he's probably a 20-point bull. But, I mean, his tongue's hanging out. He's bellering. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you look at that, that was, you figure that was probably 2009. And then by 2011... After I hauled them to those rodeos and stuff, I could sit on their back in the pen. Right. Well, and I remember seeing a, I don't know if it was Snapchat or what, whatever was going around about that time, but I remember you sending a video around of you sitting on those clones, just scratching them in the pen. And yeah, I it was, it was nuts. So crazy. How? Where, I think where they started and where they come from. Yeah, that was me too. I've never seen any bulls like those bulls. Ever probably will never. I mean, as a set of them, there are six of them, right? And it ended up like I want to say four of them end up going to PBR finals, and two of them went to the NFR. Like, and to go from what they was to what they ended up being, it was it was crazy to see. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and now, uh, I, they've had some calves out of I don't know which one, but one of them. Uh, that, that's competitive in the futurity, so. Oh, be dang! I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. Cord, is uh, it? Is Cord it good McCoy dogs? Uh, I don't know which one. I just know Cord got to breed to him, and Brent and Margo Hayes and bred to him. Um, I, I guess Brent and Margo owned them, and uh, some of the calves they holler out of him. I don't know which ones or whatnot, but. I'll be darned. It's crazy to think of those clones because there was, you know, there was. Well, you figure there's four, ended up being four really good ones, and each one of them, they all turned back in the gate, but each one of, the, one of them had something different to them. One of them was a little nicer to ride. One of them was a moving forward, hard to ride, son of a gun. Another one was just good, and another one could be really, really bucky, or, you know, it was crazy how different they were, but how much hard all of them had. Right. Well, being that we're on the topic of clones, I find it interesting, and then I could be completely wrong, but I don't. I don't. There's been a lot of bulls. It seems like that's been cloned, and none of them can can hold a candle to to the slim clones. Is that you guys find that too, Laramie Riley? Uh, by, uh, to me, the slim clones have been by far the best. Uh, I don't know that any of the others have really made out. I guess the. Uh, and I don't even know that the MSR clone. I don't know. There's been some cows. Uh, MSR clones produce like MSR. Uh, but to me, it all goes back to I think a lot of the bulls that were cloned were kind of freaks. So the uh-huh. bulls that were cloned that were bred to buck and proven uh, cross that worked more than once were the ones that ended up being the best ones. You know, like like fighting bulls. I, I did Diamond G's rodeos in Utah and stuff and. Like they they have a bunch of clones, the Pandora's box clones, uh, War Dance, and and White Magic, and I think there's some Whirly gigs too. But 
like the White Magics really bucked hard, but they were treacherous, nasty. They, they were not fun to get on at all. And the mother, like the mother, just turned in the gate, but 19 pointers. As far as going to the finals and stuff, though, it's just, it's just interesting that it seems like nine and a half out of ten times it doesn't, it hasn't worked. And and then those bulls, it wasn't just one; it was four of the set that ended up going to the finals. Yeah. Yeah, I I haven't seen a whole lot of clones buck. I saw the Doctor Proctor clones, and I've they had six, seven, five of those. I don't remember, but I saw them all buck with the dummy in their calves, and then I only saw one of them buck at a term pro in Lala, Oregon, one time, and and it was just, I mean, they were just red muleys, just kind of that cat is still kind of what Laramie was saying, being a a freak deal. I did see a few of those down. I saw a, a war dance clone on TV one time that was a kind of good kind of bull. He was a long go. He wasn't no nothing fancy, but like I said, none of us have heard of him since. But yeah. I guess kind of moving forward to present time, uh, Riley, uh, you're, you still i guess living in in west texas the lubbock uh working for rick Schuler, uh bucking bulls and 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 living the dream i guess uh yeah no coronavirus out here um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i'm working work for rick and and roy hodges their partners on all their cows together it's about 60 miles south of odessa so not much out here, kind of back and forth in between here in Lubbock. And when I'm going to events, you know, I stay pretty busy. But since all this has been going on, I've been just hanging out around here. And what's the what's the big building in behind your guys' arena? <laughs> uh, that's an old power plant, um, and they've built bullpens inside of it. Really? That's that's our barn, yeah. That's we got a hydraulic squeeze chute in there and keep some feed and hay in there and stuff. Well, I remember when you got when you had sent in your video for the BSN video fraternity. I, I remember seeing that big building and kind of being curious. And then someone had asked me the other day, Who, "Whose pen is out that big ass building in the back?" And I figured yeah. I'd ask you. That's it. It's uh, it is big, and there's a second story up there. There ain't nothing up there, but. Yeah, there's probably six or seven pins in there. I keep bulls in and keep squeeze shoot in there. So, so you take care of you take care of all the cows and the and the bulls and everything, or are you just kind of the bull guy or what? what um, I take care of the bulls. I mean, there's another guy out here that feeds and he takes care of the cows mostly and keeps hay out for them and feeds them mostly. And I put. You know, we just turned breed bulls out, so I'm going out there and checking on them all the time and stuff. And then, what what'd you guys turn out to breed to? Um, Rick actually leased Ot Two from Dean Wilson. That's Pickle Moonshine's daddy, and that uh, B82, B83 that uh-huh. Bryce and Dill raised. That I guess Bo Mills and them just bought the B82 bull, and B83 just won the use deal. Anyway. Dean still owes, owns him, and we leased him to breed to on one set of cows, and then I turned another uh, fire show son out to a three-year-old. 
out on the other set to start. I'm going to turn another bull out there with him. That's that's not the that's not the big gray that was that was in the youth deal last year two years ago skull crusher or something. No, he was a hunch you down son. Gotcha. That's my dad's bull. Yeah, I thought that bull really really. No, dad dad's bringing to him. He wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a shot at that one. I remember seeing him at uh, at Decatur, and I thought that was that bull was pretty rank style. Yeah, that's crazy too. Because whenever we buck those calves, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, Dad's still kind of old school. He doesn't buck them a whole lot, and doesn't go to any maturities. But Baylor was wanting to use maturity, so we'd just go in there and buck those bulls and kind of pick the top end of them off for Baylor to use maturity with. Well, I picked like two other ones before him. Neither one of them ended up working out. Well, I picked Skull Crusher, and he was just right there in the gate, just pretty steady. But once I actually got him and worked with him a little bit and put some pressure on him, boy, he, he ended up being really good. And We bucked him with a rider twice now, and he looks like he's going to be – should be the real deal. I don't know. This is going to be a little off subject, Riley, but being out that far in, in West Texas uh... – I know it's dry out there, and it gets really hot in the summer. It's pretty dry. They, they don't raise much hay unless you have some kind of irrigation or, or pivot or something. Does, does Rick and Roy have something like that, or do they? y'all have all y'all's hay and grain shipped in, or how do y'all do that? No, we get it all shipped in. Um, he's getting his square hay out of uh, Kerrville. He's got a cargo trailer, and he's got a truck company. You know, he just sends a truck over there, and we load that cargo trailer up. That's what we feed all them bulls that we got stood up. And then our cow hay, he's bought some off Buddy Garrett, and uh, I was actually talking to the vet today about getting some some more. But we ship it all in here, and then uh, he gets his grain delivered. It's the DNH bull blend that a bunch of people feed. We've got a big uh, overhead bin. They bring it in here, truckload at a time. And they come from Davis? Yes, sir. Wow. So that, I mean, that's that's a 400-mile, maybe 500-mile trip thing there, isn't it? Yeah. The guy leaves, like, that's the only trip he makes that day. He leaves that morning, comes in here, and brings up feed, and then drives home. Wow. That's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a long way. <laughs> yeah, Better than me having to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you'd have to get your CDL and get your truck then. Yeah, well, that's why I put <laughs> off getting the CDL. There you go. All part of the plan, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all all along this time, or uh, Riley, have you have you put any cows together of your own, or, or is that a goal at one time, or, or you may have some cows, I guess. Man, I've kind of settled with it. I don't. I'm not one to go out and. I'm not looking to put a, a herd together. I'm not, because, I mean, my dad's got his cows, and I I mean, those are ours, you know. I've helped him with all them. And I've had a few heifers along the way, and, like, it's just, I've kind of had a run of bad luck. I had a really good heifer out of a full brother to party time and a voodoo child's mother. And the neighbor's bull jumped the fence and bred her too young and then she wouldn't breed back so I ended up sending her to the cell barn like that's happened to me at least twice 
and then I got a cow off Chase Love one time. I sold that uh, not uh, daytime crime whenever he was doing really good. Was that his name? Fourteen. What was Fourteen thirteen. Fourteen thirteen. Yeah. Yep. We worked a deal, and I kind of helped Chase get that bull sold, and he gave me a cow, and she was a jawbreaker daughter of Terry Walls. She ended up. She didn't end up working out. I mean, I've, I've had a few here and there, but I think I have I have one heifer right now that's a, a hunchy down daughter. She's she'll just be a yearling this year, so I don't even know if she'll get bred. But but more or less, your your dad's deal is kind of kind of more of a family operation than yeah. I mean, I, me and my brother both, we've had a few a heifer, a cow, or we'll raise our own bull here and there, but. Neither one of us have raised the good one yet, so it's just kind of all ours together. I guess all of ours together. We all do the work, and Dad gets the money. <laughs> well, maybe maybe one day you'll uh, you and your brother will get that cow herd or something. Oh yeah, it'll be good. I mean, I, I'm not worried about it. I'm I'm not too worried about having a cow herd right now. I've got. A lot of other stuff going on and not really at the top of my list. I'd rather just mess with the bulls anyways. I'm gonna I'm gonna we're kinda nearing nearing towards the the end here, but I do wanna jump back just a little bit because I was a fan of this bull and, and seeing good buddies with Shane Dunham like what was the what was the book on Wicked Stick? How did how I guess did Chad buy him and, and you were hauling bulls for Chad at the time or, or how did that all uh play out? Yeah, so I had a bull of Chad's, and I might have had one or two, and I'd hauled them a little bit, and uh, kind of doing the classic deal there. It was 2015, and what really did it was Laramie helped me with that deal, because he had Larry Barker's bull, uh pile driver and I don't know how it ended up but I ended up taking him to Oklahoma City and he bucked really hard and he was meaner than heck I mean 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 but he he was really good he bucked good that night I don't even know if he won anything well Chad bought him and since I had him there I just kept him so I took him the rest of that year and he he won a classic and he didn't do a whole lot since then but that kind of got me started with Chad really well, then when we got to the finals, they had the ABBI sale, and uh, Chad bought Wicked Stick. He said, you take that bull and take him to Classics. So just kind of, they had him there as a three-year-old, and he did really good. And I think he, I had, think he won second that year as a three-year-old. Yeah, he did. I like to rub it in Scott Pickens' face because he brags because he won second, but I won first. <laughs> There's a. I remember now that we're talking about this, jogging my memory, Dunham was telling me one time, and uh, that Scott wasn't wasn't going to enter that bull or, or or nothing at the classic finals. And Edward Martinez told him that if he didn't enter him, that Edward was going to enter him, pay the fees that that bull needed to be there. And I don't remember how it all ended up, but long story short, obviously the bull ended up going and doing good. And then I guess they put him in the sale. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that bull a whole lot as a three-year-old, but I do remember seeing him at Conroe that summer of his three-year-old year. 
and I won the classic with Red Moon, and then Wicked Stick fucked hard, hard, and that might have been the first time I'd seen him, and Shane had him down there. And yeah, that would have would that have been at the UBBI that. Uh, no, it was an AVBI that Shane Davis did down there. Okay, okay. And then he, and then I remember him. I don't, you know, because I, I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention. But he, he went to Thackerville, and I don't think he did a whole lot of good. But, but he was really good at Conroe. And I remember JB had him the first round of the finals there, and JB asked me, he was like, "What the heck's that?" I was like, "You can win the round on him. Like he's damn good." Whenever I saw him, and he was. And then when Chad bought him, you know. There was a lot of hype on him because he had just won second. But I didn't really know a whole lot about him. But, boy, when I got him, I like, he bucked really hard, but, dang, he was a handful. He would lay down in the chute, and he was definitely a project the whole time. If I remember right, didn't you get BQ'd and one or two classics with him because they couldn't get out on him? Well, they DQ'd a bull rider at a cup one time. Okay. Maybe twice. They would DQ a bull rider, but at, then at the UBBI finals, um, they DQ'd the bull. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's a whole different story. I won't get into that. That's crap. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, in, but I mean... It was to the point where I took him home and, like, I more or less tortured him, like, for all leading up to the ABBI finals. And that bull never won higher than fourth all year long. It went to the finals. any of the classics I took him. <laughs> uh, I just remember Mike Lee having to get on him, uh, I thought, two times because he would get in and get out. Yeah, or Mike got on him. Down, he, would, he would get out on him. Yeah, Mike got on him the one time they disqualified the guy, and then that's when the AVBI put in the rule. Like, Lambert got mad and told him, y'all better have a rider standing by. This is crap. Y'all having to go get Mike Lee out of the locker room to get a bull. So they, that's why the AVBI has to have their own bull riders on standby there, and then Kate Alberti got on him at Kansas City, maybe. He was a standby guy there. Uh, so you can thank me for that rule, I guess. <laughs> we might could get Mike Lee to come back now. Yeah, heck yeah, just paint, have him put the AVBI sticker on him, stand there with his shaps on. Yep, yep, he'd do it, I bet. <laughs> he probably would. He'd send him or send his son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, Riley, uh, I appreciate you you coming on, and it's it's been it's been interesting uh, getting to talk to your dad on here, and then and then having you come on, and you guys both being involved in in the bull business, and and at least chatting with us for a while. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all having me. Y'all are doing a good job. All right. Well, uh, you have a, you have a good evening, and uh, we'll we'll see you sometime soon, hopefully. Yep. See you at Springtown. All right. We'll be there. Bye,